Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. When I was a, a kid, uh, my early adolescent years, between my, my sixth and eighth grade year, I went through a, a pretty uh, big uh, transformation uh, physically. I was, uh, sixth grade, I was roughly, I don't know, five or so foot, foot tall. But between my sixth grade and my eighth grade year, I almost grew close to a, a foot. I was about six foot tall my eighth grade year in middle school. And um, I remember uh, that people always ask me, you know, you're, you're going to be a, a big basketball player, right? And I said, I would have loved to be uh, basketball. I had the height for it uh, at that time because I was taller than most of the other boys my age, but I didn't have one lick of talent. And uh, so uh, my, uh, my basketball career, uh, I did my freshman year of high school, tried out for the freshman um, basketball team. And let's just say I didn't make it past the first round of cuts, uh, and I realized that God has gifted me in other areas. <laughs> and so, but I remember at, at, at night, and I, and I felt this most times at, at night, or were those growing pains. Maybe you you felt remember those times. It's where you know your your bones are are, are, are growing, and with that growth comes comes pain. But we saw, as I, as I grew, saw the result, the fruit of those growing pains. It brought me to, a, I was reading a, a story about someone else who incurred quite a few growing pains. And uh, based on uh, yesterday's outcome of uh, our SEC tournament game, uh, it caused me to, to think back to, to uh, better days in, in our, our basketball time. And it brought me to the guy named Anthony Davis. And maybe you've, you know the story of Anthony Davis, but from the time he was a, a sophomore to his senior season, he grew from six foot two to six foot eleven in those just few short years. In his sophomore year, he had one offer uh, from a Division I college, Cleveland State University. But by the time he became a senior, he was the number one prospect in all of the nation. See, his, his growth was, uh, was, was good, but his growth caused challenges that he had to overcome, in part with his parents, no telling how much, many different sets of clothing and shoes they had to buy for him with such a, a drastic change in just a few short years. But Davis also had to, to learn to play a new position. He went from, from being a, a guard to having to play the, the big man. He had to, to uh, change the way he played the game from being an outside shooter to, to being, taking it inside and to rebounding and blocking shots. And if you think back to the 2012 season of the Kentucky Wildcats, you know 
Anthony Davis adapted very well to his growing pains. And it was some exciting basketball to watch. And even to this day, he's doing well in, in the NBA. But his growth brought challenges, but also it brought great blessings. And that is what we are going to look at in the early church. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 6 this morning. The early church experienced great blessings, right? And as it, as it grew in the city of Jerusalem, but with those blessings brought new challenges. And we're going to see this morning the challenge that the early church faced. See, gospel growth, it always brings blessing, but it brings problems and it brings opportunities, and the test is, how does the church respond to these issues? Well, if you would, let's read our passage this morning. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they had said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenaeus, and Nicolaus, a proselyte in Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. May God bless the reading of his holy word. See, change is a part of life. We are always going through changes. I mean, personally, I, my life is very different today than it was just a, a year ago. Anything we have, my family has relocated to, to Maysville. I've changed uh, jobs. I'm here now serving with you. Our family has moved. And not only that, but we have had a, an addition uh, to our, our family. And while I wouldn't change the, the change for anything in the world, but we have had to reevaluate how we do life. <laughs> We're going from one child to, to two children, doubling the number of kids. You can't do the same things that you did before. We had to kind of retool and rethink how we are going to, to do things. Now, it's saying that, that, that we never stay the same. We're always going to be a day, day older than we, were, than we were yesterday. So the thing is, how when we were presented with the change that occurs to us, how do we respond to that? Well, you saw that the early church was, was growing greatly. Uh, and in fact, the numbers um, 
it, it was growing so much that, 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 that Luke kind of quit giving us the numbers. Um, we're based on what we can tell is it could have been upwards of 20,000 people. Now, when, you know, when, when the church was, was young, it was probably able to just uh, take care of everything. You know, it says, hey, uh, hey uh, Luke, can you go check on so-and-so? Or, you know, uh, Philip, hey, uh, you know what? We need uh, to, to get this done. Can you, can you take care of that? And it was probably able to, to contain that. But as the church grew, it brought new problems. Now, not all growth is, is good. Let me clarify that. In fact, even in the church, not all growth is, is good. I mean, there are, there are some churches, some very large churches that uh, are, are, are not growing from gospel growth. Uh, it may be kind of a, a cross between going to a, a, a rock concert and a, and a, a life motivational seminar. And you, you walk away feeling, wow, I really enjoyed that. And you know what? It made me feel good. But Jesus was never never preached in that church. I had a friend that was a, uh, a, a worship leader and uh, it was a decent size uh, church that he was at, but he was asked to become a worship leader of a, a large mega church in another state. And if I said the name, some of you would recognize that church. And he was excited for this new opportunity to have greater influence uh, as he would lead in worship. And he went to this church and he didn't stay hardly a year at the church because he realized that it was not at all what he expected it to be. He said, this church, they, it was all about the show that they had. He said, in fact, they hired an outside secular production company to produce their worship service each week. He said, everything was planned down to the exact second the songs had to end at the right time. Even the words that were spoken had to be written down beforehand and approved to make sure that they would fit within what the production company wanted to, to accomplish. And then as he got in there, he said, this is not at all what God has called me to do. The church, that, or the, the growth that we see in the early church was, was different. It was gospel-centered growth. It was growing because the word of God was being preached. The gospel was being proclaimed boldly and people were responding in faith. Now, uh, we can, growth, we, we need to be concerned about numbers, about growing. And we should care about numbers because, well, Luke cared about numbers. The reason he cared about numbers is because numbers count. Numbers are people. And people count to, 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 to God. They matter to him and they should matter to us as well. But we can focus on numbers for, for sinful reasons. Right? We can focus on, on numbers to, to, so that, that we, can, uh, we can brag about to, to other people. And you know, it, it, when I go to, to, to pastors' meetings and conventions, you know, I always get to is, is how, what, how many are you running? You know, that's usually the, the, the comment that, that I'll get. And, and, and you know, I understand that's, that's just kind of the, the nature of it, but it is. It's, we judge people based on the size of, of, of the church. And while numerical growth is, is good, we shouldn't seek that at, at all costs. But sadly, because some 
churches aren't reaching people, they think, well, what we need to do is we need to, uh, to, to make them the message of the gospel more palatable to everyone. And so we, what we do is we can kind of water it down. And what we have is your numbers may grow. A lot of times they don't. But at what cost are they growing? And that's not the growth that we see in the early church. Now, in the last several weeks as we've been working through uh, the book of Acts, we've seen different challenges, different uh, problems that have been facing the church. One was persecution from outside of, of the church and, and how the, 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 the ruling council sought to disrupt the preaching of the gospel. Then we also saw last week how from within the church, um, hypocrisy was gaining traction through Ananias and Sapphira. And God dealt with both of those issues. But now we, we see that the unity of the church is being threatened. Look at, at verse, uh, verse 1. Now it says, in those days, the disciples were increasing in number. Now disciples, we're not talking about the 12. We're talking about the church is increasing in number here. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now we see two words. You may not be necessarily familiar, understand why they're there, the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Hellenists were the, 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 the Greek uh, Jews who had put their faith in Christ. So remember at Pentecost, it was a Jewish holiday, so people were coming from all around the world to Jerusalem to celebrate these festivities. They heard the preaching of the gospel and they responded in faith. And many of those outside of Jerusalem were Hellenists. They were Greek-speaking. Not only that, but they had adapted many of the Greek ways as well. And they were very different than the Hebrew Jews. And so there is the kind of a tension that might be growing between the Greek-speaking Jews as well as the Hebrew-speaking Jews. Now, these Jews all were a part of the church. They had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so the, the Hellenists were saying, you know what, we are being neglected. The widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. We also remember that they, everybody brought what they had to, to the apostles and they distributed what was needed so that no one was, uh, was, went, went hungry. So in the, in the biblical times, the, the widows had great need for they depended greatly upon their, their, their husband uh, to take care of them. And when they were gone, they didn't have opportunities to go and, and to get jobs. There wasn't uh, you know, a government safety net to, to help them. So they depended fully on the church to, to take care of them. And so there was a real problem that was, uh, that was facing the church. The Hellenist Jews, were widows, were being neglected. Now, this wasn't a, a sinister type of thing. It's not like, you know what, we think less of you Greek-speaking uh, Christians than the, than the Hebrew ones. It was just based on the sheer size of the church, this problem was, was uh, being encountered. And so... Uh, and so the, the, the problem here needed to be, to be solved. You know, um, different churches uh, face different, different problems to, today, even, even in today's times. I, and uh, just because a church isn't growing doesn't mean that it's not, a, not a faithful church. 
In fact, I've got a friend that's a pastor of a church in, in a rural part of Kentucky. And he's seen in the last 10 to 15 years of his church, he's seen his numbers decline. But it's not because they're, they're not being faithful to the word, they're not witnessing, they, they're not evangelizing. It's because his community, the population, has decreased greatly. Uh, the young people all have, have moved away. There's no, there's no stores around them. There are no, even all of the schools have consolidated and moved away. The kids are having to, to, you know, to drive upwards to an hour to, to get to, to the school. And, uh, and so the population has, has decreased. And, and so the church is, is not, not growing, but it's not because they aren't being faithful. So sometimes a decline in the church isn't because of our our sinful actions, it is because of uh, just uh, problems that are outside of, of our control. And also you see that, that sometimes failure is, is just because of human limitations. I mean, we, we look to the apostles and we think they are great men and they were, but they were human. They were not God. And because of that, they had human limitations. And so we see the, the Greek-speaking widows are complaining. Now we know from, from Scripture that, that complaining is not of, of God. It is sinful to complain. And this complaining had the potential to cause division in the church, but it didn't because the apostles handled it in a, in a godly way. And we have complaining in today's time. You know, and sadly, this is one of the problems that plagues many churches today. It's because it has the culture of, of complaining. And complaining, I think that's kind of our natural default. Just human nature is to complain. When we feel like our needs aren't meeting, being met, we, we, we tend to, to complain now. And, and, so, and it can be even people that, that are very active in, in the church. It may be somebody that, that does more than anybody else and they complain, well, nobody else is doing as much as I'm doing. Or maybe they feel like, you know, because I'm, I'm working, they, you know what, I deserve to get, to get this. And, and instead of trying to, to see the, the real problem being addressed, which is getting other people to serve in the church, that is, a, you know, an issue that needs to be addressed. We, we, we talk about it with, with other people instead of seeking to try to find a solution. And maybe you've seen somebody, they, you know, they'll go and talk to, to somebody else and they'll say, hey, man, you know what, I, I think we're just really lacking in this area. And then we're like, well, why don't you go talk to, to the leaders of the church? Like, oh, no, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. You know, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, ruffle anybody's feathers. And like, oh, okay. But they don't leave it alone, do they? They keep on and keep on and keep on complaining. Well, the apostles here handled this complaining very well. See, they, uh, the need was uh, to keep up with the needs of, of the church. So as the church grew, there were many challenges. And so these apostles, they, they couldn't do everything. Things were falling between the cracks. And some people were rightfully being neglected. And it shows us that, that different sized churches have to, to do things differently. You know, a church, a, you know, a smaller church kind of tends to, to act like a family. 
all right? And in some cases, the church is all actually related. Uh, but, but in those cases, everybody just kind of jumps in together and does what needs to be done. So, you know, if we want to have a dinner, you just say, hey, so-and-so, can you go handle that? And, yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. Or, you know, it'd say, you know, this person needs to be visited. Can you go take it? Absolutely, yeah, I'll, I'll run and go do that. And, and then even the decisions, we kind of have a family meeting and all the decisions are made by, by the family. And in a small church, you can, you can do things that way. But as the church grows, the way it functions has to change. Now, don't hear me wrong. The mission of the church never changes, but it's how we do ministry does have to, to change over time. Many churches face the, the, the challenge. It's called the, the 200 growth barrier. Uh, basically, it's, it's a church to, to surpass uh, becoming a, a 200 active, active members in, in the church. And the reason, in fact, in the Southern Baptist Convention, 80% of our churches are 200 people or less. And there's a number of, of reasons for that, but, but there is this uh, kind of this growth barrier of 200. And it's because, you know, at a, under 200, a pastor can can know everybody's name and can, can tend to, to serve to, to the needs of the congregation. But as the church tends to grow over that 200 mark, uh, the, the, the responsibility has to be, be spread out and things are, are done differently. So instead of saying, hey, so-and-so, can you go you know, take care of this ministry? Can you do this or that? We have to bring in more people because it's more work than one person can handle. And so, uh, and so, so what happens is, is when they hit that 200 mark, they realize, you know what, we don't want to change to grow anymore. We would rather keep the things the same and, and basically just, just have the church the way we, the way we like it. But we see in, in verse three here that, that the apostles overcame this overburdened leadership. Look at verse three, it says, therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Now, the apostles can't do it all, all right? And none of us would expect them to do it all. God gave them, though, a specific task. That was to preach, to teach, and to pray, or to do the ministry of, of the word. Now, Apostles are not pastors, all right? So, so we have to kind of, kind of um, clarify that. With the, you know, uh, pastors do not have the apostolic gifts that the apostles had. But there are some, some similarities uh, there. And the same calling for the apostles to preach and teach and pray are the same for, for pastors. You know, most often when, when a pastor comes to, before the church, many people vote on, on the pastor based on how they heard him preach. You know, it is the primary task of the pastor to preach, to teach, and to pray. Now, some pastors, though, will take this passage and, and they kind of use it as an excuse to, to not do anything else, all right? That, that is not the case uh, here because, uh, you know, they, they'll say, you know what, I, I need to spend more time in praying and preaching and I, you know, leave the other things to, to, to the other people to, to do the work. And and in reality, they just don't want to do the other things. It's things that they don't, they don't like to do. Now, so it, we're seeing that it's preaching is not better than to serve tables or to help those, uh, to help the widows with their, their daily food. It's just that God has equipped different people with different tasks. 
Now, I found uh, it's true. I mean, the, you know, I've, I've served in many different uh, vocational occupations in the church as a children's minister, worship leader, youth pastor. And uh, I mean, I've grown up in the church my, my whole life as a preacher's kid. But uh, the one thing that I have really had to learn over the last several months of being here is, is the fact that every single Sunday, I got to get up here and I have to preach. Uh, it's something that I have not done. I preached times or two, but it, it was always when, you know, my, my pastor was going to be gone and I was filling in. And usually I had a couple of months notice to get a sermon ready. But one thing I found is that Sunday is always coming. And no matter what goes on during the week, I've got to get up and to preach because that is what is expected of me. You know what? I can't say, you know, man, I've had a really busy week. Mike, can you preach for me on Sunday? You know what? That's, that's, that's not going to work <laughs> because you as the church have called me to preach the word of God. And so, uh, you know, and uh, I've had to, to kind of try to figure that, that out. And be honest, I'm not doing the best of jobs. It, it is a learning experience. I remember before I came here, I was talking with, with Brother Bob and, and he gave me some very wise counsel. And he said, you know, uh, I know typically how long it, it'll take me to prepare a sermon. He said, I know how much time I need to spend in, in praying and in, in preparation for to, to preach on Sunday. He said, so I guard that time and then I plan everything else around that. And so in the case of, of the apostles, uh, they had the time that they had to spend in ministry of the word, but there were other things that needed to be done and they did not have the time and honestly may not even be the best suited to do that. And so what did they do? They appointed deacons or not, not the office of deacon, they appointed individuals to Deacon. Now, the word deacon here means to be a servant. Right? It's really used in a verb tense. Uh, the office of deacon we don't see at all in, in the book of Acts. It comes later in the New Testament. So here they appointed these men. Now, interestingly, it was the church that brought forth the names. Right? The apostles said, hey, congregation, bring us some people that you think that are, and they gave some qualifications that they would be full of the spirit of good repute and have wisdom, and then we will appoint them to this duty. So they wanted people that were qualified to do the work. Now, the qualifications aren't necessarily the qualifications that we think of today. You know, we think of somebody that, 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 that uh, you know, needs to, to, to do something. I, I remember one time uh, somebody to, to serve on a, on a finance committee. This was a person that they were a CPA, very well qualified in the eyes of the world. But you know what? They, they really weren't involved in the church at, at all. They, and they wanted to be on the finance committee. They never came to, 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 to church. Sometimes they would come to Sunday school, but they would always leave. And that was the only time that they were a part of, of the church. And yes, they had the... The, the earthly wisdom probably to do that, but they weren't a part of the mission of, of the church. So, they, so these deacons are to be full of the spirit of wisdom and of, of good repute. And so what did the church, did the apostles did? They, they, they div, uh, gave over uh, the responsibility of these two, these seven men. Now, interesting here is we, we've got many names. We don't even know who these people are other than what we see. We see the name uh, uh, Stephen and, and Philip. Now, they did have a great, great role in the church. And we're going to see here 
Uh, over the next couple of weeks, Stephen became the first martyr of the church. And then Philip was also, uh, um, had a great ministry later in the book of Acts. But it wasn't because of their service here. It was because they became evangelists. The other names, we don't know anything about them. I think that's telling of what a deacon is, a servant. All right? They're not in it to, to be made known. They're not in it to, to, to have a great name for themselves. They are there to serve God and to point others to him. And so as they, they appointed him, then the apostles, uh, they prayed over them, they laid their hands, and they empowered them to be able to do ministry. Now, some pastors struggle with, uh, with uh, letting other people to be involved in, in, in ministry. Uh, for whatever reason, they feel like they have to do everything. And I quickly learned that, and I'm still learning that, is that is a surefire way to, to burn yourself out. You either get into to, 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 to physical issues, some mental issues, or you just say, you know what, I am done with, uh, the, with the ministry. And in fact, 80% of today's pastors will be out of the ministry in 10 years. It's a sad tale. And I think part of that is, is because we are not uh, um, uh, leading in a way that is scriptural or biblical. So most importantly, God has called the pastor to, to the ministry of the word, to preaching, teaching, to evangelism, and to, to prayer. These are things that God has called the pastor to do. And in the case of preaching, most churches, nobody else in the church can, can do that. And so, and so as, as the pastor, we have to prioritize specifically what God has called us to do. Now, that doesn't mean that's all we have to do, all right? We should always be able to jump in and to, to serve, but we need to empower other people in the church to be able to do ministry or to deacon. Now, we see also uh, that... Uh, we see this, this type of, of sharing in, in the ministry. And in doing so, they advanced the mis- mission while managing people. When I was in, in real estate, and Charlene, you can probably relate to this. If, uh, when, you, when you sell real estate, you get clients, people that you show houses to, and then they end up, hopefully, uh, putting an offer in on the house, and that offer gets accepted. Now, at that point, there's a lot of work that has to be done to get from the point of signing a contract to closing on that, that, that house. Or in the case of listing a property, when you list it, you've got to do all kinds of, of work in order to, to get that house marketed, to get it on the market. But if all you did was spend your time working the people that you got, eventually those houses are going to close. What's going to happen then? You're not going to have any, any prospects. Your business is going to dry up. So you have to have this balance. You have to take care of the, the clients that you got, but you've always got to be out there prospecting. And then sometimes you bring other people along to, to help you. So you might have an assistant that helps to kind of do the office work so you're not sitting there typing things into a, a database or, 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 or uh, scheduling different appointments and, and meetings. You bring other people to, to, to help you in that, but you always got to be prospecting or eventually that business is going to, to draw up. You have to know why you're there. You have to know the mission. And in real estate sales, it's to make a, a living selling real estate, right? Sometimes, though, in the church, we can, we can lose focus of, of the mission, 
what God has called us to. And the mission is given to us in Scripture. It is the great commission to go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing all people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But when churches lose focus of the mission, then it just comes to be a part of managing people. Many times the the pastor is relegated to that of, of of a chaplain, basically just to take care of the people. But if that's all that we're doing, then eventually it's going to, the business is, is going to dry up, so to speak. So it is a both and approach. And we see that the apostles did this very well. Both are essential, the mission and managing people. So we must do compassionate management while aggressively advancing the gospel here in Maysville, but also beyond and throughout the world. And we see because of the apostles' faithfulness, because of the willingness of the people, the congregation, to to change the way that things had had been, to, to better serve the church as it is, and with this future focus, look at verse seven. It said, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. God blessed the church with growth because of their faithfulness to the word and to the ministry of that word. And we see that great many priests became obedient. This kind of sets up for this next section in the the book of, of Acts uh, for there were many Jewish priests throughout uh, the, the land that, that weren't necessarily, uh, um, got a lot of support from, from the temple. And based on uh, theologians, they would say that many of these priests, as the word began to spread, put their faith in Christ. And then when the, the ruling council realized that they were losing power, they became even more militant in their persecution. But God continued to increase their folds. They didn't do it by putting on a show. They didn't do it by necessarily even, you know, having big rallies or they were just faithful to what God had called them to do. And each person fulfilled their role that God had called them to. So how do we handle a passage like this today here at at Central Baptist the church. Well, first, I would ask for your prayers for me, that I would uh, always keep prayer, uh, the preaching of God's word, and the teaching a priority in my life. I mean, to be honest, it is, it is easy to neglect those things, in part, especially the prayer part, because you don't know whether I'm praying or not. You know what? Some people can, we can, we can fake it if we, if we need to. Uh, to prioritize the, 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 the praying and the preaching and the teaching of God's word because that is what God blesses and that is what he brings growth. Secondly, is how are you uh, serving the church? Are you here to, to serve or are you here to, to be served? My prayer is, is that we would take the example of our savior. For Jesus came to the earth not to serve, but to be served. And if there is anybody that deserved to be served, it is Jesus himself. 
do you just come here and do you, you just come and just to, to, uh, basically to be a, a consumer as opposed to a, a producer? Are you, do you, and secondly, do you, uh, do you wait for, for it to come to you or are you the kind that, that comes to ask, where can I be of, of service? You know, it, it's sometimes we, in churches we have the, um, kind of the mindset is, is that, you know what, somebody else is going to, to take care of it. You know, what, I, you know what, yeah, I could do that, but I'm gonna let somebody else say, well, the problem with that mindset is, is if everybody has the mindset that somebody else is gonna take care of it, who's gonna take care of it? It's not, it's not gonna be taken care of. And then things begin falling through the cracks. So my prayer for us, for you, and for us as a church is that we would be purposeful in our service to the church. It's easy to just kind of come in and just to, to focus on the, the status quo, just maintaining what we've got. But if we're always in maintaining mode, we'll never get into the, to the growth mode. And so sometimes we need to maybe not necessarily do more. Some of us can't do any more. You're doing so much that, 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 that you, you can't add any more to your plate. And in that case, maybe you need to, to back off what you're doing. And we need to bring other people alongside of you to help to serve. But I fully believe that God has equipped each and every church to do what he has called it to do. Sometimes we kind of get in this mindset is, you know, I wish we had what, what such and such church has. I wish we had the kind of people that this other church has so they, they can do that. And, and, and that, that, that's not the right mindset to, for us to have. God has given us every single thing that we need to do what he has called us to do today. So my prayer is, is that we would be faithful to live out the mission for him today. And over the next several weeks and months, you're gonna hear of opportunities for you to serve in ministry. In some ways, it may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, and that's, that's a good place to be, all right? It's gonna be a place where, where God can really use you in the instances. For some of you, it may be a, a time where you need to learn how to do something. And you know what? I, uh, I had a professor of mine that would, would say, the most important thing that I look at in somebody, it's not their intellect, it's not their, their uh, natural ability. It is, are they teachable? And are they willing to, to learn? You know, most of the doing in church, it's not, you know, learning uh, in, a, in, a, in a study or, or going to a formal class. It's on-the-job training. You know, and that's kind of the method of Jesus. What did he, he took people along with him. And as he did ministry, they got to see from, from the best that could do it. And then he began to hand that ministry off to, to them. So be teachable. Maybe be willing to, to kind of put ourselves out there so that we can serve, so that we can meet the needs not only of the people in our church, but may we be able to, to meet the needs of the people in our, our community as well. And may we never lose focus of the mission that God has called us to, to go and make disciples. Would you pray with me, please? Dear gracious Lord, thank you for your word. Mm. God, your word has the power to transform our lives. When we read the words of the life of your son, Jesus, that he, 
He came to, to live the perfect life, to be, to serve, not to be served. God, and he served us in the greatest way possible by willingly giving up his life so that we might live. God, I pray that we would see the life of Jesus and that we would cling to that and that we would be obedient to the word. God, I pray that that we would see ourselves as, as essential members of your church. God, wait for when the for when the body is not functioning the way that you intended it to function, God, it, it harms the body and it harms people as well. God, I pray that, that we would serve, that we would serve in a sacrificial way, not to, not to benefit us or to, to puff up our names. God, that we would see, we would serve to, to meet the needs of of those in our own community of faith, as well as to serve those that, that still need to hear the gospel. God, for it is easy to, to lose focus of what you've called us to do. God, I pray, oh, I pray that, that we would always keep the cross in view and use that as motivation for us to make your name great in this community, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God is inviting you to be a part of this story he is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.